Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty world. I like to hear a lot of mixing and mingling. Well, you know, Pastor Tim is away right now in Oklahoma City, so he really needs our prayers. Um, just kidding. But uh, no, he actually is in Oklahoma City, and we actually had two people from Oklahoma at the 11 o'clock service. That didn't go over too well. Anyways, uh, but if you were with us last week, uh, then you know that uh, during the month of June, basically what we're doing is we have partnered with uh, thousands of churches really around the world, hundreds of thousands of believers around the world to do this uh, message series called One Prayer that's really being kind of thrusted out there by LifeChurch.tv. Uh, LifeChurch.tv is uh, located in Oklahoma, and that's where Pastor Tim and a lot of the other uh, members of the staff are right now. Uh, they're over there in Oklahoma kind of learning their thing and kind of seeing what they're doing and what they're up to there. And uh, basically this one prayer series is uh, is about asking God, you know, if God, or kind of thinking about the idea, if, if God uh, were to answer one of our prayers for the church at large, the church capital C, what would that prayer be? And last week our prayer was for a spirit of unity amongst the churches. You know, Lord, make us one was the prayer last week. And this week, actually, uh, we go a little bit bolder, so to speak. It's, a, it's kind of a more bold, uh, more dangerous prayer. And that prayer is, Father in heaven, make us fearless. Fearless. And, and so today, what we're doing is we're going to be hearing a little bit from Pastor Tim, as well as Pastor Gr- Craig Groeschel, who's the lead pastor of LifeChurch.tv. And we're going to be looking at this story w- uh, about facing fear with a heart of faith. And it's actually found in your Bibles. You can go ahead and turn to page 617. This is coming to us uh, from the book of Daniel on page 617. As you're turning there, I'm just going to pray real quick and we'll get started right away. So. Heavenly Father, uh, we just come to you and we ask for your blessing upon your word. Father, we, we, we acknowledge right now we can't understand your word the way that you intended for us to understand. We can't apply your word the way that you intended us to apply into our lives without the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray that your spirit might enlighten your words to us right now, that it would enlighten it in our hearts, that you would speak to us about how we can be a people and a church who are fearless. Lord, we are asking for these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. When you're walking in a graveyard, your mind naturally turns to morbid things. Disease, death, tragedy, fears. I mean, we all have them. My little boy is four years old and he's, he's afraid of the dark. So the other night we had this storm and knocked out the power in our house. And he was all scared and grabbed onto my leg. And my wife, we lit candles. We kind of made it a fun night. And we sat there in the dark waiting for electricity to come on. But when it came time to go to bed, my wife blew out the candles and my little boy screamed at the top of his lungs, we're all gonna die! (laughs) Where do kids get these things? But you know what? He's right. We're all gonna die someday. 
Death is the final, ultimate fear for a lot of people, and I think this place, this is full of people who died alone and afraid. But for those who profess to follow Jesus, there's supposed to be a different reality. Instead of living captive to our fears, we're supposed to live fearless, and that's a challenge. The idea is that we follow one who actually overcame the grave and can give us hope instead of fear. The Apostle Paul, he's one of the earliest followers of the resurrected Jesus, and he asked this question, he faced his fears head on and said, where, O death, is your sting? And that's a, that's a question I think that's easier asked than answered. What do you fear most in life? I mean, what holds back your faith and like keeps you afraid? Better yet, what would it be like to not live prisoner to your fears, but actually to overcome them with a bold faith that actually trumps your worst fears and worries in life. Our prayer this week for the church, for Christians around the world, is a bold one. It's the prayer that says, Father, make us fearless. Uh, Today we're going to look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to let this verse in 2 Timothy 1-7 drive us throughout the series. So at all of our campuses, if you guys could help me out with this verse. Scripture says, for God has not given us what? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. One more time, God has not given us a what? He's not given us a spirit of fear, and yet so many people are paralyzed by fear. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three young men who faced one of the most fearful situations you could ever imagine, but God had not given them a spirit of fear, and we're going to see how God uniquely delivered them, and I pray it will speak to all of us. A little historical context before we look at this story, let me tell you what happened. It was the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign. He was the king of Judah when Babylon, under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar, attacked and conquered Judah. What King Nebuchadnezzar said is he said, okay, go to Judah and find for me the best of the best and bring them to Babylon. What we're going to do is we're going to find the smartest, the most educated, the best looking, those who are born of noble birth. We're going to find those who have the brightest future, and we're going to indoctrinate them with our culture. We're going to feed them our food. We're going to teach them our language. We're going to teach them our history. We're not going to let them worship their God, the God of Israel, Yahweh. Instead, we're going to teach them about our gods, the Babylonian gods. And so three of the people we're going to look at today were little boys when they were captured and taken to Babylon. The very first thing that the Babylonian leaders did is they changed their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not their birth names. Their birth names all related to Yahweh. We would say in our time they had Christian names. What the Babylonian leaders did is they changed their names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these were names that referenced the Babylonian gods. Basically, they said, every time we call you by name, we want you to think of the Babylonian gods instead of Yahweh, your God. And that's very much the way our spiritual enemy works today. 
God wants us to hear what He says about us, and yet our spiritual enemy wants us to hear what He thinks instead. And so many of you maybe can relate. All your life, you've heard some lies about yourself, and you start to believe them. Maybe you've heard people say, you're never going to amount to anything. And after you've heard it enough, you start to believe that. You're never going to make a difference. You're not good enough. You're stupid. You're a loser. You're pathetic. No matter how hard you try, your life will never count. And you've heard it over and over and over again, and you start to believe it. My fifth child, his name is Stephen Craig. When he was born, his older brother called him Booby, which is just not acceptable. Okay, No son of mine will be called Booby. Just wouldn't be right. You can hear it now. And now batting for the Houston Astros, number 17, Booby Groeschel. Just will never, ever work. So we changed it to Booky. Now Stephen Craig is four years old. If you call him and say, hey, Stephen, he'll look at you and say, my name is not Stephen, it's Booky. Why? Because he's heard it over and over again. That's what he believes. The Babylonian leaders said, let's call them by the Babylonian gods, and maybe they will believe those are the real gods. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 is where we will start. King Nebuchadnezzar, the bad king of Babylon, he made an image of gold. This was an idol, a huge idol, and he was going to say to everyone, worship the idol or else I will throw you into the fire. He made this huge image of gold. How, how, how tall was it? It was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. This is a big, honking idol. 90 feet high. Do you think that old Nebi was compensating for something? I don't know. You know how it is? Big truck, little man, okay? Big idol, who knows what's going on here, okay? So he's got this huge honking idol, and then he says to every government leader, every magistrate, every official, everyone come in here, and we're going to dedicate this huge idol. Verses 4 through 6 tells us what the herald said. Then the herald proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O people, nations of every language, as soon as you hear the band play basically what he was saying. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, you must do what? Say it aloud. He said, you must fall down and worship the image of the gold that the King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Ten times in this chapter, you will see the word worship emerge. Verse 6, whoever does not fall down, and what? Whoever does not worship will be immediately thrown into the what? They'll be thrown into the blazing furnace. Now, I've never seen a blazing furnace, but this fire is enough to intimidate me in a serious way. King Nebuchadnezzar told the whole kingdom to bow down, and everyone bowed low, except for three men who stood tall, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king found out about these men. He was furious and called them in and said, I'll give you one more chance. When the music plays, bow down and worship. Verse 15, he said, but if you do not worship, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? If you're taking notes, a key thought is this. A faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. 
A faith that endures the fiery trials of life is a faith that can be trusted. So here's a question for you to wrestle with. Can your faith handle the fire? Because honestly, for a lot of people, their faith can't. They have kind of a, a pseudo faith, a pretend faith, a faith light, if you will. Ask yourself this, could your faith handle the trial of an unanswered prayer? Let's say you pray and you pray and you pray and you believe with everything in you, God will answer that prayer and he doesn't. Can your faith handle the fiery trial of an unanswered prayer? Here's another question for you. Can your faith handle the fire of a fallen Christian leader? So often there are great men and women that we trust as leaders in Christ. And then in a moment of stupidity or even years of sinfulness, they fall. And many believers then fall away. Can your faith handle personal loss, loss of possessions, loss of your health, loss of someone that you love? What happens when you want to conceive a child and you can't? Or when your child is born and then doesn't live? What happens when someone that you love is taken in a car wreck? Can your faith handle the fiery trials of life? Because the truth is, a faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. Can your faith handle those trials? Because a lot of people, their faith can't. I want you to think for a minute about uh, these boys. Some people say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were 16, 17. We don't know. They might have been in their early 20s. We're not sure. But these young men, they were just like you. They, they had dreams, and they had hopes for the future, and they wanted to live. They wanted to make a difference, and all of a sudden, they're faced with this unbelievable choice. All you have to do is bow down this one time. Just like everybody else, just bow down and worship this idol, and then everything's cool. But if you don't do this one thing, it's game over. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. It's game over. Okay? Dead. Dead means dead. Burned alive. Dead. What would you do? What would you do? Here, here's what I'm thinking. In my mind, I'm thinking my mind quickly goes to rationalizing out all the reasons why it'd probably be good just to worship this idol. Real quickly. Here, here's what my mind would think. My mind would think, okay, now, I'm here to make a difference in these, in these Babylonians' lives, and I want to help expose them to Yahweh, and if I'm dead, I can't do that. So, it might be better just to bow down just this once. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, uh, I'll, I'll still worship God. I won't really worship their God. I'll worship my God in my heart. And then surely God will understand. Or I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'll just worship the idol just this one second. Worship, whoop, done. Okay, now God, forgive me. And surely he'll forgive me. In my mind, it's so easy for it to start sliding toward rationalization. The problem is, when we rationalize one time, we can rationalize two. And when we rationalize two times, we can rationalize three. And on and on and on. And before long, we're simply living a life of compromise. We're living a life of compromise. What do we do when our faith is tested by fire? The lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego teach us three things. The first, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one, we must always obey God's commands instead of man's expectations. 
We should always obey the commands of God instead of the expectations of people. Verse 16, look at the story. Uh, the king said, bow down or you're dead. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O king Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to what? Say it aloud. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. In other words, they had already made up their minds. Long before the fire was ever burning, they already had a plan. And what was their plan? Their plan was obedience. Their plan was obedience. Long before the issue ever arose, they planned to obey God. Notice what they didn't do. They didn't say, okay, now, hang tight. Can you give us a little while to think about this? Can we call a friend? Do we have a lifeline? Can we say, you know, what should I do? Can I take some prayer time to deal with this? Now, hang on. You got a piece of paper and a pen? I need to make a list. Pros, cons, which is going to be better? If we just go by the pros and cons, there may be times where there is one pro and one pro only, and that pro is to obey God, and all the cons are a long list. That's why when the cons outweigh the pros and the pro is to obey God, you always go with obeying God. Just looking at the pros and cons can lead you astray into a life of compromise. We don't have to talk about this, King. We've already made up our minds. Doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter what you do, we have a plan, and our plan is to obey God no matter what. Those of you right now, if you're facing a, um, an easy way out, a compromise, and you're thinking just this once, won't be that big of a deal, hey, God will understand. No, no, no. We always obey the commands of God, never the expectations of men. We compromise once, we could compromise twice, we compromise three times, and before long, we wake up living a life of compromise. We must obey God and not man. The second thing that we do when our faith is tested by fire is this. This is, this is so important. We're going to learn to believe God's truth instead of the facts. We're going to believe God's truth instead of the facts. Now, some of you may say, what, what's the difference? Let's unpack it a bit. Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. Watch the richness of what they, they said. Bow down and worship. And they said, we're not going to do it. King, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, who is able? Would you help me on all of our campuses? Who do they say? The God we serve. Now, I want you to notice, it wasn't the God we've heard about or the God that our friends serve or the God that we read about in a book or the God that we heard about at church, but the God that we serve, the God that we know, the God that we've been in fellowship with, the God that we've trusted, that our parents have trusted, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who for generations has been faithful to us. The God that we know firsthand, the God that we serve, is able to do what? He is able to save us from this, and He what? Say it aloud. And our God, He, one more time, all of our campuses, He, he will rescue us from your hand, O King. That's the difference between believing just the facts and believing the truth. What were some of the facts? Well, the King said, bow down. Fact. They didn't do it. Fact. The king was angry. Fact. The king was building a big bonfire. Fact. The fire was hot. Fact. Everyone who was thrown into it turned into s'mores. Fact. The king was about to throw them into it. Fact. Our God will deliver us. Truth. 
You see the difference? We don't just believe the facts, but also the truth. How does it play out in Scripture? All sorts of examples. Uh, the fact is, it is humanly impossible to walk on water. That's a fact. The truth is, Jesus did it. And so did Peter under the power of Jesus. The fact is that when you're dead, you're dead. The truth is, Jesus didn't stay dead. And when he spoke to other dead people, they didn't either. The fact may be that you're out of money and in financial trouble, and there's more month left than money. The truth is, Jesus is your provider. The fact may be that the doctor says there is no hope. The truth is, Jesus is the great physician. The fact may be that your marriage is in big, big trouble, and that's a fact. The truth is that God is a God of restoration. The fact may be that you face an impossible situation and you don't know what to do. The truth is all things are possible with God. We don't look just at the facts, but also at the truth. The fact may be that you feel very, very far from God, and you've been disobedient to God, and you don't even know where God is. The truth is, though, He is pursuing you right now. His Holy Spirit is moving after you. The fact is, you may feel like the biggest loser who's ever lived, and you may feel like you could never be redeemed or stand another chance with God. The truth is, He is ready for you right now. The truth is, He's working in all things to bring about good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Distinguish between the facts and the truth. Fact is, you may have three cats... Truth is, God loves you anyway. <laughs> That's just how big of a God that He is. <laughs> you. We don't just believe what we see. We believe what He says. We don't just believe the facts. We believe the truth. What do you do when, when your faith is tested by fire? We obey God's commands instead of man's expectations. We believe God's truth instead of the facts. And number three, and this is so big, we believe God. We don't just believe in God. We believe Him. We don't just believe in Him. According to Newsweek recently, 91% of Americans believe in God. 91%. Nine out of ten Americans believe in God. But can you tell there is a huge difference between just believing in Him and believing Him? If nine out of ten Americans believed God and took His Word seriously, can you imagine how different our country and this world would be? Scripture says that even the demons believe in God. Maybe... Maybe your biggest challenge is that you believe in Him, but you don't really believe Him. Maybe our biggest challenge is that we believe in Him, but don't believe Him. That's, that's the way I was raised. We'd, we'd go to church once a month whether we needed it or not, okay? And, and we'd stand up and sit down, and we knew the routine, we knew the drill, and They'd speak, and we'd speak, and we'd read the little things in black, and then we'd sing verse 1, 2, and 4 of the hymn. Never 3. Don't know why, but never 3. Don't know what's wrong with 3. You never sang 3. 1, 2, and 4. You know? And then you'd take the pastor's hand, you go to lunch, and forget about it all week long. Okay? 
That's the way we were raised. We believed in God. But I'll tell you right now, we did not believe him because his truth did not affect our lives during the week. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't just believe in Yahweh, but they believed him enough to put it all on the line. Enough to put it all on the line. The last verse we just read, they, they said basically this. They said, we believe that our God is able to rescue us, and we believe that he will. Don't forget that. He is able and he will. God is able and he will. Look at the next word they said, verse 18. This is faith on steroids. God is able and he will. But even if he what? Even if God, say it one more time, all of our campuses, even if God does not do what we know he can and think he should. We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you set up. We believe he can, we believe that he will, but even if he does not. That is the deepest form of faith. I call it a faith of no matter what. Say no matter what. One, two, three. All of our campuses say it again. No matter what. One more time. No matter what, help me out in this. If we lose our job and we don't know what to do, we will still believe God no matter what. If we're praying for our kids and they're going the wrong way and the harder we work, the more they run, we'll still believe God no matter what. If we pray and we pray and we pray and we believe with everything in us that God will answer this prayer according to the way we pray, but He doesn't, we will still believe God no matter what. If we're praying for someone to be healed and they're healed, we'll believe God. If we're praying for them to be healed and they're not healed the way we think they should be, we'll still believe God. If someone that we love and respect, who is a follower of Christ, betrays us and hurts us, we will still believe God. If we hurt, if we ache, if we're afraid, if we feel alone, if we're persecuted for doing the right thing, we will still believe Him no matter what. That's real faith. No matter what. No matter if his word makes me uncomfortable, I will do what he says no matter what. No matter, no matter if everyone else is making fun of me, no matter if all my friends say, you are a freak, Jesus boy. No matter what. No matter what if the people at my job make fun of me because I make a stand. No matter if I don't get the promotion because I am living for Christ. No matter if my girlfriend breaks up with me because I won't sleep with her anymore. No matter what. No matter what, I do not obey what people say. I obey what God says. No matter what. No matter when I am so alone and don't know what's going to happen and I'm afraid and the world's getting darker, no matter what, I still worship Him because He is still God. No matter what I feel, no matter what I see, I do not live by feelings, I live by faith, no matter what. No matter what, no matter what, I will worship Him, no matter what. Problem is today, there are too many people who believe in Him but do not believe Him, and that is not a real faith. And the moment you get hurt, or the moment something happens, or the moment somebody's not nice to you in church, or you can't meet with me, or whatever, you're going to run off and leave the church and leave, leave the faith. You never really had it. You never really had it. You just believe in God, but you don't believe Him. When you believe Him, you believe Him, no matter what. No matter what. Take my life. Take everything that matters to me. I'll still worship because I believe in who you are no matter what. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
I believe God can. I believe he will. But even if he doesn't, you need to know this. We belong to him and we will worship him and no other God. King Nebuchadnezzar says, fine, fair enough. Have it your way, boys. Turn the fire up. Heat it up seven times. The fire was hot before seven times. Everybody started singing, it's getting hot in here. It's a joke. Okay. They said, go find the strongest um, guards. Tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Throw them in the fire. The soldiers did just that. The heat was so intense that it killed the soldiers. Killed them. Killed the guards. But it didn't kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at verse 24 and 25. King Nebuchadnezzar. The dude was blown away. He was astonished. And he rose in haste and he spoke, saying to his counselors, uh, Guys, uh, didn't we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered him and said, Yes, king, that would have been three. True, O king. Verse 25, he answers, Look, I see one, two, three, four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. And these guys are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the, like the Son of God. It's an Aramaic phrase. In my opinion, that is the most accurate translation of that phrase, is like the Son of God. Some people say it was an angel. Some people say it was the pre-incarnate Christ. Whatever it was, it was the divine being in the middle of the fire. Friends, you may never, ever really know just how good the presence of God is until you're in the middle of the fire. Until you're in the middle of the fire. And you're saying, I thought it was just us, but, but there's someone else here with us. And I believe it's the, the presence of Christ. And I, I, I know the fire is hot, and I know this is my worst nightmare, but somehow we're not getting burned. I can't tell you how many times that I've been um, in a place where I'm trying to minister to someone who's going through what I consider to be hell on earth. And I'm looking going, how do you do it? How do you even get up? How how do you make it day by day? And over and over they'll look and say, I don't know. All I can tell you is that right now, God is enough. God is enough. That is a faith that's tested by fire. And that is a faith that can be trusted. That's a no matter what faith. That's realizing that sometimes we'll really only experience the goodness of God in the most intimate and powerful way in the middle of the fire when nothing else works and nothing else could come through. And at that moment, he is enough. Look at what happened, verse 27 and 28. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Miracle. Nor that the hair on their heads was singed. Miracle that their robes were not scorched, miracle, and there was no smell of fire on them, miracle. We shot that video of me in the fire a few days ago, and I still stank like fire, okay? Verse 28, King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command, and they were willing to do what? They were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god 
except for their own God. That is a faith. That is a faith that's been tested by fire, and that is a faith that can be trusted. When you are tested by fire, and you will be, we never obey man's expectations. We always obey the commands of God. We don't just look at the facts. We look at the truth. And we don't just believe in God, you see. We believe him. And when our faith is tested by fire on the other side, we will know his presence like never before and never be the same. He is with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. All of our campuses, let's pray together. Father, do a divine work in us in a way that only you can help us to experience you in the middle of the fire. All of our campuses today, there um, are likely a lot of you, they're going through some tough stuff right now. And you might just say, Craig, would you would you just pray for me in the middle of this fire? If that's you today at all of our campuses, would you just put your hand up right now, just all over the campuses, just put it up, and, uh, and we're going to pray. There's just a, a ton of you right now. Uh, let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you are the God who knows all of the intimate details of the, of the hurts that, that we're experiencing. And God, I thank you that even when things are not going our way, that you are still God. Father, today, help us not to compromise, but to be obedient to you no matter what. God, help us. Give us the faith, not just to look at the facts, but to believe your truth, even when the facts say something different. God, we pray today that you would give us the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that not only would we believe in you, but, God, we would believe you. And now, God, in our own hearts as your children, we just declare we believe that you are able to deliver us from the fires that we face. We believe that you are able, and, God, we believe that you will. God, we pray and ask that you would. And, God, when you do, I pray it would be so great that just like Nebuchadnezzar, people would look on and say, man, that could only happen from the hand of God. We pray that you would be glorified as you deliver us from the fire. God, that is our first and great step of faith, and our second one is even greater. God, we believe that you can, and we believe that you will. And even if you don't, oh God, we still believe. We believe not because of the outcome, but because of your character, because of your nature, because of your goodness, because you are the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, because you, O oh God, are our Redeemer, our rock, our righteousness, our shield. You are our salvation. You are our hiding place. You are everything that we need. In the middle of fire, God, help us to experience you.